Jesus, it's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Let's look at this. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all that, had been, that had, uh, they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got, and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place. And it is already getting late. Send the crowd away so they can go to, a, to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. So just for a little while, I want to minister this thought. Give it to Jesus. Father, as we have broken the bread of life tonight, I ask that every morsel would be nourishment to the souls of everyone that is here. I pray, God, that you will help me, Lord, to be your servant, to feed as you have asked me to feed, Father. I pray, God, that you will minister by your word, that you will equip us and strengthen us by it. I pray for a special anointing to be upon me. Set me aside, Heavenly Father, and speak through me, Heavenly Father. Open up our ears to hear and, and our hearts to receive what the Spirit is saying to our church. All the glory and honor already belongs to you. And I promise God never to take it from you, but to point to you for what is accomplished in this place. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Give it to Jesus. I want you to humor me just, just for a moment. I normally would have you look at somebody and say, you know, tell them, give it to Jesus. But I want you to say it as a declaration. I want you to say it to yourself as a way of declaring it over your life. And maybe there are things in your life that you need to give to the Lord that you're holding on to. 
maybe some things from the past or maybe maybe some sinful struggles in your past whatever it is I, but i want you and when i want you to say this title and i want you to declare it over your own life and we're going to do it together i'm going to say it myself One, two, three. give it to jesus i don't think there's any better course of action than to give it to the lord you can't really do much with it sometimes and you have to just put it in his hands. He can do, he's the only one who can do the impossible. And when you lack the wisdom or understanding, that's when he comes in. And you can give it to him and trust that everything will be okay because you have surrendered it to the Lord. And I have good news for you. You can give it to him in such a way that you don't even have to worry about it anymore. You know, we choose that path often, but we don't have to worry about it. You can give it to him, and it's his. And if it's his, he knows how to take care of it. There comes a point in our lives where we need to turn it over to God, where it's only God can do it. When you get that report from the doctor that's not so good, you need to give that to Jesus. When you can't fix the broken relationship, you need to give that to Jesus. When you can't stretch the dollar, you need to give that to Jesus. When the family dynamics that you were so looking forward to and you find out that you got a broken home and a broken situation, you need to give that to Jesus. When your kids are running amok and serving, not serving God, you need to give that to Jesus. I mean, I could go on all night long about all the things that you are going to face or encounter that you need to just give it to the Lord. Turn it over to Him and say, Lord, I don't know what to do with this. And when I try to solve it or fix it, I know one thing for sure, I can't do it. At every point of every divine miracle that is followed in the Bible, every divine miracle that has come through the lives of God's people... Here comes a moment in the servant of God where they give it to God and they back away. When, when, when Elijah stood on Mount Carmel, he knew what God would do. He put, the altar, he put the, the altar together, put the sacrifice on the altar. He wept the sacrifice. He said, God, now show them who you are. And he stepped back and let God be God. And the God who is God answered by fire. Moses did the very same thing when the complainers were complaining about where they were at the Red Sea, pinned in by Pharaoh. Moses stood up and said, stand still and see the salvation of your God. At that moment, Moses put God on the spot and said, God, I can't fix this, but I know surely that you can fix this. So I give it to you, Lord, and you show these complainers who you are. And that is giving it to Jesus. There are times where you've got to surrender it to the Lord. And the Lord can do it. The best thing you could ever do is trust the Lord with your dilemmas. I read the story about a man who fell off a cliff. And, and as he fell off the cliff, he screamed for help. And he grabbed onto a tree branch hanging off the edge of the cliff. And and while he was hanging there, he screamed, help, is anyone there? And a voice spoke and said, I'm here. And he said, who is that? And he said, it's the Lord. 
the man, and the man said, help me, Lord, I need your help. And the Lord said, do you trust me? The man said, oh, Lord, I completely trust you. And the Lord said, let go. And the man said, is there anybody else up there? <laughs> the man didn't realize he was six inches off the ground. If he just would have let go, he was too afraid to look down. But he didn't have enough sense to trust the Lord. The point of the funny little story is there are times where you just got to let go and trust God. You don't know how far it's going to go and what's going to happen. But you can't solve it. Only the Lord can do what, he, what needs to be done in our lives. Now, I read this story to you because I want, I want to preach to you about prayer. And I know the story isn't about prayer. What does feeding the 5,000 have to do with prayer? This wasn't a 5,000-man prayer meeting. This was men following him on the shoreline looking for their, their blessing from the Lord. The only prayer that was actually offered in the story is the prayer of Jesus when he broke the bread and blessed it. But there's such powerful implications of prayer in the story. And so what I want to do is I want to I want to equip you with a prayer life that knows how to give it to Jesus. That just releases it to the Lord and says, "God, I'm done with this. I'm I'm, I'm done fighting, and I just give it to you, and I'm trusting that you're going to take care of me. And the first thing I want you to catch in this story is prayer says what we have is not enough. In the story, the disciples say we have, we have five loaves and we've got two fish. But what is that among so many? The disciples said, we don't have enough money to buy enough bread for these people. There's not enough. We don't have the supply to meet the demand. The demand is greater than what we can offer. And so the disciples find themselves in a dilemma because Jesus is saying, what is it that you have? I want you to feed them. And so now, now it's not the people going into the town feeding themselves, paying for themselves. It's the disciples having to pay for it. And they don't have the supply. There are so many examples where God took what wasn't enough and made it enough. I could give you countless of them, but one of my favorite is Gideon's 300 men. That's not enough to beat the army, but with God, that's enough. Amen? When we come short, God comes strong. Amen? When we don't measure up, God knows how to bring his own measuring stick. Aren't you glad today that when you didn't have the spiritual strength to get up out of your sin, he's the one who made it enough through the cross of Jesus to pull you out of your sin. Yeah, he deserves the praise. What they had 
was not sufficient to meet the need. And prayer understands this. I do not have the sufficiency in of myself to make and provide and to go forward. When we don't, when we don't pray, we find ourselves in a self-confident place where we believe we can make it today without the Lord. We can get through today without the Lord. We can somehow make it through all the troubles and all the trials and all the temptations without the blessings of the Lord upon our life. But I can tell you right now, every single day, you and I will find ourselves falling short of the mark. We have come to a place where we cannot achieve it. Has anybody come to that place in your Christian walk? You cannot do this alone. It's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Are you following me right now? It's, it's you don't, you don't have the supply to meet the need. And so you need God. Elisha. Elisha stood there with his servant surrounded by the enemy. And the servant said, oh, Elisha, we're in deep trouble. We're in deep trouble, Elisha. There are too many of them. And we're, we're just two people, Elisha. I might be able to get two of them. You might get two. But there's more than that, Elisha. They're surrounding us. And Elisha said, oh, Lord, open his eyes to the supply. And when his eyes were open, he looked and saw the angels of the Lord standing around the men who were standing around them. They realized at that moment what they lacked God came to supply. Are you following me? Where they were short, God came in to make up the slack. Aren't you so thankful that God has given us an avenue that when we cannot, He gives us a connection to know that we can through Him. Hallelujah. Prayer says what we have is not enough. And the disciples understood this concept in this story, they did not have enough to meet the need. Prayer says this, no one else can supply the need. No one else can supply the need. My dear friend, we need to come to the end of our own selves knowing that we, have, we lack the ability, but Jesus has the ability. A trust a trust, a radical trust that says, God, I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know if it's going to work out, but I know one thing about this circumstance. I am giving it to you. I give you my children. I give you my home. I give you my bills. I give you my car. I give you my church. I give you my pastor. I give you my leaders. I give you the Sunday school teachers and the youth leaders. I give them to you, Lord. I can't fix them but oh God, I know that you can. I know if you step in, God, everything will be all right. And so, Father, I do what I cannot. I, I know I can. So I give it to the one I know who can. I love what the Roman satirian who said to Jesus, he came to Jesus and he said to him, he said, I need you to heal my servant. Can you heal my servant? And Jesus said, yes, I will come with you and heal your servant. And the Roman satirian said to him, sir, he said, he, he said, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. He said, I'm a man of authority. And I tell a man to go and he goes and I tell a man to do and he does. And he said, you just speak the word. 
You speak the word and it'll be done. And Jesus looked at that Roman satyrian and said, man, I haven't seen so great a faith in all of Israel. Because this man understood the power of the word. And Jesus simply spoke the word. And the Bible said from that very moment, from that moment, that man was healed at that moment because Jesus gave the authority to have the healing flow. I'm telling you, church, when you cannot and you don't have the supply, you need to go to the one who does. I'm telling you right now, you can ask me, you can come to me, and I can pray for you, but it should be a whole lot better if God heard from you. If you fell on your own knees and said, Father, I am in need of you today. It sure would be nice if the church learned how to get a hold of an old-fashioned altar and stay in it until they got a trust and confidence that God's going to see them through. Oh, how we need to get back to old-time Pentecostal-style prayer meetings where we know that we know that we know that God's going to bring us through. Prayer says no one else can supply the need. Prayer says what we have is not enough. And prayer seems insignificant. When the disciples said we've got five loaves and two fish. Oh how insignificant they seemed amongst so many. What a small insignificant number amongst 5,000 men. Not counting the women and the children who were with them. They're probably talking somewhere between the amount between ten to 15,000 people there on the shoreline when Jesus teaches them and is ready to feed them. And the disciples are bewildered by the request. You feed them. They don't have the ability. They lack the supply. But they're standing next to the one who can multiply anything. And Jesus, that Jesus says, what is it that you do have? And they say, this is all that we got. We don't got much, but that's what I got. Can I just... Can I just put something else in the gumbo here for a moment? Listen, you, Christian, need to come to this realization that you don't got much, but what you have, you need to give to him. Amen? God ain't asking you to give him what you don't have. He's just asking you to give him what you do have. He said, Moses, what is that in your hand? Because that's all God needed, what was in his hand. He didn't need Moses to be a great eloquent speaker or a phenomenal preacher. He didn't need him to be a powerhouse, a charismatic. He didn't need him to be Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Baptist. He didn't need any of that. All he needed was was in his hand. Because if you give him what you got, God knows how to take care of what you got. Has anybody ever gave him a dollar and figured out he can make it too? Has anybody ever gave him your heart and you found out he could set it on fire? Has anybody ever gave him your troubles and found out he could bring peace? Has anybody been in the storm on the boat of your life and God stands at the bow of the boat and says, peace be still? Has anybody ever found that what you find to be insignificant, God finds to be powerful and makes it powerful? Oh, it was insignificant to them. It was small and insignificant. And prayer oftentimes is viewed as something insignificant. It is unfortunate today in the church realm that prayer has been excommunicated from the church. We tell people to, we say a little prayer at the beginning. We pray over the offering and we pray at the end. But people have quit coming to an old style, old fashioned type altar where they kneel before God and they 
they talk to God about what their heart is and where their heart is. And, and God moves upon them because prayer has been deemed as somewhat insignificant. It is only five loaves of bread and a couple fish. What is that among so many? Can I tell you today that the prayer life of the saint will shake the devil's kingdom right out of Kingman, Arizona? I'm telling you that a man on his knees is stronger than a man with a big bank account. I'm telling you that a man who knows how to cry out to God will upset demons, will cause the sick to be healed, will see miracles and signs and wonders follow them because prayer is what makes the difference. It was insignificant, but oh, I'm telling you, it's something powerful. Read the story about this old preacher, one of my favorite preachers, Vance Havner, told the story about an old country church he used to attend as a child. And he said, there's an old lady in the church. Every service, she'd get, raise her hand and say, will you please pray for my children? Pray for my sons. They need to get saved. Please pray. And he said he knew her sons, and he thought in his mind, it's going to take a whole lot of prayer to fix them boys. Them boys are rotten to the core. They had problems in their lives. They were doing bad, bad things. And so he, in his mind, he, he felt like the prayer was not enough. Maybe they need to go to jail or something. Or they needed a little more than just a little prayer. But that old lady, he said, that old lady, she kept praying for them kids. She, and he said she learned something that she had never learned. She had learned that she'd never let go of that altar. Because he keep holding on to it. Because somewhere down the road, God's going to answer the prayer. God's going to move in a mighty way. You keep holding on to that altar. And he said this, that old lady was dead and gone. But all three of her children were in the house of the Lord that little old country church. One of them was a leader and one of them was a deacon. And he said this. He said, keep holding on to that altar. Don't you let go. It may seem insignificant, but what you're doing is upsetting the devil's kingdom and you don't even know it. You find yourself in a place where you can't defeat the flesh. Find a good old prayer meeting, a prayer altar, and get alone with Jesus for a moment and say, oh God, I have trouble in this area, but I know God, this is not an insignificant significant moment I'm talking to you and there's the strength that I need the supply that I need comes from you so prayer says what we have is not enough prayer says no one else can supply the need and prayer seems insignificant but I want to point out three very important things giving it to Jesus brought blessing brokenness and multiplication. If you look at this in the sense of prayer, it isn't really worth much until God blesses it. You can do all kinds of things in your own strength, but what you need is the blessings of the Almighty. You need the commissioning, the, the sanction, the, the touch, the unction, the fire, the zeal from God to come upon you so that you can, you can sense the blessing of the Lord upon you as you do what he has asked you to do. You see, you can, you, 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 you can, you can give, when you give it to Jesus, you give to Jesus what no one else can do. What, what wasn't enough, you give it to Jesus. And, and when you can't do it, you give it to Jesus. And can I tell you, nobody can bless like Jesus can bless. They gave them five loaves to Jesus and they gave them two fish to Jesus. Can I tell you, the Father knows how to hear the Son. 
And the fathers are listening intently when Jesus began to bless the bread and bless the fish. All they, all they had was not even enough to fill one basket, but there's about to be some leftovers because Jesus gave a little bit of a blessing. Can I tell you that the blessing of the Lord is what is necessary? We can do a whole lot in our own striving. We can strive, but I can tell you the anointing of Jesus is what makes it flow, what makes it slick enough so it can slide in to places the devil has made a rough and hard. I can tell you that if we have what that, that blessing from God, then we can count on God multiplying and moving in our midst. Most people want the blessing, but they don't want to give it to Jesus. They don't want to give their heart. They don't want to give the problems. They don't want to give up their sins. They don't want to give up their troubles. They don't want to give up their finances. They don't want to give up that bad relationship they're in. They don't want to give up the sinfulness of that stuff. They want to hold on to it. Because they're holding on to it, they find no blessing from the Lord. They come to church, they raise their hands, but no blessings flowing. No oil from, from Zion's coming down. There's, there's no anointing flowing. There's no strength coming. There's no renewing of the Spirit. No refreshing of His glory. And so they find themselves in a dry, in a desolate place because they have not been in the blessings of the Almighty. They come and they watch other people bask in the freshness of His glory. But they have not experienced it for themselves because they're because they have not given it to Jesus can I tell you giving it to Jesus is the only way it can be blessed your life cannot be blessed while you're holding on to it. you got to give it to Jesus. Your children won't be blessed until you give them to Jesus. Quit trying to fix them. Let Jesus fix them, and you just pray them in. Amen? You need to give it to the Lord. You need to release it to the Lord. Now, I'm not telling you don't tell them about Jesus and correct bad things, but I am telling you that sometimes you can't fix them. You need Jesus to do what you can't do. And if you want God to bless them children, then you need to, you need to give them to the Lord. Zacharias and Elizabeth prayed for children they never had a child but Zacharias never quit doing his duty for the Lord in the process of the disappointment of not having what he had asked for it wasn't until one day Zacharias went into the temple to burn incense to the Lord, his normal, his normal routine. And he goes into the goes in there to the altar and he goes in there to the to the burn incense. And as he burns the incense, an angel of the Lord appears and says to Zacharias, Your wife is going to have a son, and you're going to name him John the Baptist. All that time, he, he'd been giving it to the Lord and saying, Lord, and the disappointment had come into his own heart that even doubt came into his heart because the possibility of having children had passed their ability. But aren't you thankful that when the Lord comes to bring the blessing, it does not matter what's going on in your life. 
God can bless the barrenness. God can bless the deserted. God can bless the broken. God can bless the hurting. God can bless the drug addict. God can bless the alcoholic. God can bless the divorcee. God can bless the adulterer. God can bless the idolater. God can bless the sexual promiscuous. God can bless. I'm telling you the Lord can bless those people. But they've got to do one thing. Give it to Jesus. And so the Lord blesses. But not only does he bless. I love it. Because the Lord takes the blessing in his hand. And he breaks it. Because the only way it can be multiplied. Is it has to be broken. And I tell you that the Lord oftentimes in your own prayer life. Will break you. So that he can multiply you. Many people want God to give them the blessings of multiplication. Multiply me Lord. Increase my borders oh God. And give me, give, me a, give me a harvest that I did not even plant. Oh God will you please Lord increase me and take me. Lord use me and anoint me in a way that I've never been anointed or used of before. God make me a vessel of honor unto you. These are the prayers of saints who really want more of God. But can I tell you that that prayer is asking God that you would break me Lord because deep inside some of our lives there is needs to be a brokenness in order that God can feed the many God can't feed the many with you being who you are He's got to break it. And so in a prayer life, you will find that God will oftentimes break you so that he can multiply and use you in a very fresh and renewing way. And then there's the multiplication. Because God is the only one who can bless and break it. And in the process of the brokenness, still multiply it. Because we look at brokenness as being pieces and fragmented and dysfunctional God looks at them and says, I can do something with this now. I will, I will impart unto others out of this broken situation. I have a good friend of mine who is, uh, he, he works in prison ministry, and he's a good friend of mine. And he works in prison ministry because God used the prison to break him. And now he is multiplying the gospel in, amongst the, those who are incarcerated because God had broken him in his own prayer life. He's using the fragmented pieces of his life to feed the multitudes. Are you following me? The multiplication is only possible through the blessing and the brokenness in our lives. And God breaks things so that he can multiply it and add to it. It is Peter that said, add to your faith patience. Add to your faith endurance. Add to your faith. Can I tell you that God is in the addition business and the multiplication business. He subtracts what needs to be cut out and he adds what needs to be added. He knows how to mix it all up in the pot and when it's all done it tastes just good. God knows how to make a good Good goulash. Amen. He knows how to do it. And he knows how to do it with the fragmented pieces of your life. And so God breaks it. So he can multiply it. And I wonder how the disciples felt. Knowing their own doubts and their own 
shortcomings, knowing that in their minds they said what we have is not enough, knowing that when Jesus took the five loaves and the fishes and there's over 5,000 people sitting in companies of 50s and 100s, I wonder how they felt when they were taking five other big pieces to one set of family. And they said, didn't we only have five loaves and two fish? How is it? How is it that we keep coming back and there's more? Can I say to you today that in a prayer life, you'll never exhaust the blessings of God? Can I say to you today that if you find a place to be alone with God, you have not reached the bottom of his barrel. There is still bread and fish that you can feast upon from his hand. The question for us is, are we going to go back to the one who keeps multiplying? The disciples kept coming back time and time again, and they kept bringing food back and back and forth. And I love it. I don't have time to preach it, Brother Will, but the notes you gave me are phenomenal on this concept. God has leftovers. Leftovers. I'm so thankful for that. So thankful for that. One woman figured out that even a crumb could heal her baby. Amen? I'm so thankful for the leftovers that come from the Lord and that we can come to the Lord. And so Christian, Christian, find a place. Don't let go of your altar. Don't let go of your prayer life. Maybe you can't pray hours a day. Maybe you can only pray a moment here and there, but I want you to know something. God loves to talk to you. He loves to talk to you. He wants to talk to you. He doesn't want to, re he's not rejecting you. He doesn't, he doesn't want you to feel rejected. He loves you. And because he loves you, he likes to talk. Amen. Would you stand with me all over this building?